Okay, as we move through the Christmas season, I know my family's on a complete crash right now because it feels like, oh, Christmas is over. But Christmas is just beginning. There's 12 days of Christmas. That's why there's that terribly annoying song. Christmas, Christmas is a season. You know, if you have little kids, Christmas is like this event that happens for like 20 minutes on the 25th, and it's so intense, and you spent like the next week recalibrating your heart and mind um, as a result of the, in the wake of it. But Christmas is a season. And what I thought I'd do this year is I'd spend one more week kind of dwelling on and thinking through the Christmas story. So I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 19. We looked at this um, on Christmas Eve, but I want to spend one more uh, Sunday with it because God has kind of really been up to something in my life through it. So I'm going to read through the whole story. I'm just going to kind of teach and reflect on the last verse, verse 19, but I want to go through the whole thing so we have a sense of, of, of where we are. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 19. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them um, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. One One of the benefits of being a pastor is that every year you're forced for an extended period of time to go back into the Christmas story. When I wasn't a pastor, you kind of get to Christmas and kind of be like, I've heard this story, I kind of get it and kind of just move through the season quickly. But pastorally, you can't really do that because kind of late November, early December, you're really starting to move into the text and just ruminate on it, read it again and again and again, praying through it, thinking through it, trying to figure out what's the thing that God is putting on your heart to put in front of the hearts of the people that you're pastoring. And so every year I find that something sticks out. Last year, it was this little line about how the wise men returned home a different way. And uh, I spent a lot of time thinking and writing about that. And then this year, the verse stood out to me, almost like in bold text, like whenever I would read the whole thing, it was verse 19 that for some reason just felt like the impression was a little bit stronger. And it's this line that, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
And so I spent a lot of time in the last two or three weeks just thinking through, how, what do you do after Christmas? What do you, how do you respond to Christmas? Um, what should be our response, especially between Christmas and the new year, where maybe we start to move into goals, it kind of feels like a fresh start, like a bit of a reboot. And I thought, you know, well, the pattern scripturally is after Christmas, Mary took time to ponder. And that was pretty convicting for me, I think, on a few levels, because the, the idea of ponder is different than the word to meditate. So sometimes in scripture we hear, um, well, throughout scripture, Psalms, for example, talk about, you know, I meditate on God's word. The word in Hebrew for meditation is the idea of rumination. It's like a cha- uh, cow chewing its cud. It's taking food and just chewing it over and over and trying to get a sense of all the flavors and what's going on and just mulling over it and just grinding it down. Pondering in the Greek has a different connotation. It, it has the idea of holding something and trying to figure out the weight of it. It's when you, you know, pick up something and you're kind of like, okay, and weighing it against other things. It's the idea of weighing something or thinking about something pretty carefully and pretty intentionally, especially before making a decision or reaching a conclusion on something. So it's kind of an intentional pause to just say, okay, actually, what's going on here? Before I take the next step, what, what should that next step be? When should I actually take that next step? What's that, what, what shape is that going to take in my life? And as I was thinking about that and reflecting on it, I realized that I, I just haven't taken much time to ponder in my own life, certainly in 2015. Um, this year for us as a family has been a time of huge transition. Kind of, you know, last January I was here preaching for the call. And once, that, once you guys affirmed that, we went into extreme home preparation mode, sell the home, figure out stuff, begin transitioning health records, all these things. All, all that has to happen logistically to transition to Nelson. Then we moved to the other side of the country. We transitioned to Nelson. Uh, there was lots of settling that happened immediately. You know, we got a, rented a home out there, but then we had to move in, uh, in town about a month and a half later. So lots of overhaul. And there was tremendous amount of excitement I really like new things, and so when we came here, it was just like a kid in a candy store. It was all new people, all new stories, all new opportunities, new history of the town, um, new uh, new Sunday morning expression, a new, a totally new mode for our family and for our, uh, uh, my life, what my weekly rhythm looks like. Everything was new, and so there's all these immediate. So I f- was, so I think what happened was you kind of get into this mode where you're just kind of constantly reacting to the challenges that you have to kind of do when you make a move or transition of this nature. And <clears throat> what I realized in thinking through this, this verse about Mary taking time to ponder the incarnation and, and what had been happening and swirling all around her was that for me not doing that even though I was in scripture and I was preparing messages and I was logistically taking care of things on the home front and in my marriage and in my own life, but I wasn't taking time to ponder, to think carefully about and to kind of observe what God was doing around me. I realized that came with a lot of costs. There's a lot of things that emerged in my life as a result of not pondering. And there were a lot of things that kind of began to kind of slide and fade away because I wasn't doing it. Now, Scripture says there's kind of 
two things that we should be taking time to meditate and pondering on consistently. One is scripture, and that's that idea of meditating on scripture. But what I want to talk about today a little bit more is what we see in Luke 2.19, which is Mary certainly using scripture as her lens, but she's actually trying to review all that has happened leading up to and including the birth of Jesus. And just taking time to kind of look at these major moments, these very significant um, kind of God breaking in 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 unexpected and in powerful way moments and trying to discern, like trying to weigh it. What am I, what does this mean for me moving forward? I had a sense of what my life was supposed to be and now this has all happened and now we're here and now we're, it's, it's after Christmas. Kind of what's next? And what has happened has been so significant, I can't just move into kind of life as usual. There is no life as usual post-Christmas. Certainly there wasn't for Mary and there shouldn't be for us. So in light of Christmas, how now should I live? How, what, and, and how is God speaking to me, specifically through the events of maybe the last year or two, to kind of give me clues on where he wants to position me, where he wants to move, what things he wants to bring to life, what things he wants to bring to death in me? So I thought what I'd do is I have a few notes on why pondering is important, but I thought it'd be a good Sunday for us to kind of begin the process together of thinking and reflecting on why is pondering important? And there can be two dimensions of that. You can either think of it through the lens of, well, pondering is important because when I actually take the time to do it, these are the fruits that happen in my life. These are good things that happen as a result. And so I've learned I need to ponder, or when I ponder, these good things happen. Or it could also be from the other angle, I've learned that pondering is important, and this would be a bit of my experience over the last year, because when I don't have it, or when I think I can put it off, or when I just essentially sidestep it because I have more important things to do, or things have to get done, I've noticed that these things become thinner in my life, that I'm noticing a lack in these areas. And so what I'd like to do is just maybe have you reflect, and you don't have to say much beyond, I just notice when I'm pondering, this good thing's happening, or when I'm not pondering, this is, seems to be an effect of that. But let's, let's just share some of your experiences. If someone was asking you, why is it important to take time to intentionally ponder on the events of your life and just begin to weigh how God may be at work in and through them, how would you respond to that? Why is pondering important? That, that is fantastic. Allow saying, you know, the summation that goes, it goes from my head to my heart. It's not just a, a bunch of ideas that are swirling around. The Holy Spirit kind of grabs and begins to go here and moves you deeper into either scripture or events in your life or leadings. I think that's so, so important. One of the things that I had here is um, I think when you do ponder, that's what Lyle's saying, you're, you're giving God space to further anchor your identity in Christ and further deepen your walk with Christ. So it doesn't become kind of like a 
tangential thing or a thing off in the corner that you're thinking about. It doesn't become moralism. Christianity doesn't become an abstract idea. There's a sense that God is pulling you into the intimacy of what is being done. And he's speaking to you in a very personal way. And that's certainly been, I would say, the counter fruit than, than what uh, Lyle is saying is what I've experienced, which is if I'm too busy, I can know a lot of things. Uh, I'm not necessarily backsliding in the sense that I'm falling into grievous sin, but my sense of intimacy with God and my sense of, 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 of connectedness to God, it just begins to fray a little bit. So what's another uh, reason why pondering, taking time to ponder is so important? Grace. Uh, interesting. Wow. I had um, one of the things that I had as a fruit for a negative consequence is, um, in terms of what happens when we don't do it, is idolatry which is uh, kind of a bigger word for what you're saying. Our thinking goes wrong. Our sense of what should be the center begins to get distorted. And I can become tempted to think or act or worship things that aren't, don't have God at the center. And the other thing that, uh, that I've noticed is when I don't ponder, the, the thinking that goes wrong for me, it's probably maybe different for every person, but I get more pessimistic. If I'm not taking time to ponder, I actually get more slowly, it's kind of like a slow boil, but over time, it happens, and I, and I know that I need to take time to ponder because after a month or two, I just realize my, my attitude and my heart and my thoughts have just become a little bit more toxic, and I can't, it's not because of one thing, but one of the patterns that I see is, oh, I haven't been taking time to deeply ref reflect and ponder, and so there's a growing pessimism because for me, I tend to, um, I, think, I think people tend to have short memory spans for good things and long memory spans for bad things, so if you're not taking time to ponder and reflect on the good things that God has done, or like Lyle was saying, open yourself up for God to say, look what I've been doing, or this is what I want to do, what will stand out to you when you're just kind of looking back at a glance is, is, the, is the, the, the negative stuff. You fast forward six months, 12 months, 24 months, and you can just feel weighed down. You can, you can be operating out of a sense of, of depression or hopelessness or just spiritual flatness because your thinking's gone wrong. Pondering gives God a space to sometimes in ways very powerfully, sometimes in ways very subtly, just begin to shift you back on course. What's another reason why it's important to ponder? Hmm. And, and when you say deep listening, so Wendy's saying, when you ponder, deep listening can actually happening. Are you saying that with like other people or a relationship with God, both? Right, good. So pondering, um, pondering, this is something I wrote down to remind myself. Pondering is the art of learning to pay attention. Pondering is the art of learning to pay attention on every level. So if I don't learn, even in small steps, how to reflect, ponder, weigh what God is doing, be present before God, it's going to be very, very difficult for God to speak to me, whether that's in very obvious ways, whether that's in very subtle impressions. 
if I don't take time to ponder and I'm just constantly in my head and moving to the next thing, that makes it very difficult for me to actually be present with other human beings. And when I sit down for a coffee with Shane, to be present with Shane instead of nodding and giving him cues that I'm listening. And I am listening-ish, but <laughs> I've also got this stuff, you know, what about the next meeting tomorrow, three months from now? So pondering is the art of learning to pay attention to God, learning to pay attention to other people, learning to wake up to what God seems to be doing in and through all these things. And so if we don't take time to ponder, it can lead to a superficiality in our relationships with other, with other people, which is really important because for me, my my temperamental default is pondering is kind of a waste of time. Like I can just think about stuff, come up with answers quickly and then move on. And so I can kind of get seduced into the idea that pondering is like, I don't know, it's like, it's opulent. Like if you have lots of time, knock yourself out. But like, I'm, I'm a busy person. I got important things to do. So yeah, like, you know what I mean? So, which is just pride and it's just foolishness. But you know, when I take time to ponder, I have, to, I have to shift, and this is a conviction that God you know, put on my heart, is that I have to shift that mentality. I have, to, I have to repent of that. That's actually a sinful way of living to say I don't actually need to ponder because when I don't ponder, it just leads to superficiality in my relationship with God and it will lead to superficiality in my relationships to other people. You cannot be thriving spiritually, I, I really believe, if we're not taking time to ponder. What's one more thing that maybe happens when we are pondering the fruit of not pondering that you've noticed? So when we take time to ponder, we will notice these milestones. We will notice these times where God does something really unique. God put this person in our life right at the right time. He provided in this way when it didn't seem like it was going to work out. He put this book or this resource in our path. And that does build your faith. And again, I think another result of not pondering is that you slowly actually lose faith in God. Because faith often comes from remembering the great deeds that the Lord has done. And that is a massive scriptural pattern that you see in the Old Testament. If you do the Read Scripture Project and you walk through it, one of the things that once God forms the people at the base of Sinai, starting in Deuteronomy, and it goes all the way through the Old Testament, one of the consistent refrains is, remember the Lord, remember your story, remember what God has done. Why does he have to do that? Because we are so quick to forget. We're, we're especially, you know, 
that was that was then. You fast forward 2,000 years to a what have you done for me now lately <laughs> culture, and it's even worse. It's like, if, well, if I, I can't think of like in the last like 100 hours where there's been like a big God thing. I guess God's not involved in my life. Or, you know, you can throw your hands up. And, and meanwhile, God does these milestones, but he often does them over long stretches. Or, sorry, it, there's, there's long stretches in between these things. And so if we're not taking time to ponder and saying, I'm going through something right now, where it would be easy for me to fear moving forward, but I know because in my life and in Scripture, God has been faithful. Remember the Lord, remember your story. That's so, so important. I think pondering helps you discern God's direction for the future. You begin to see the patterns in the past and say, that was certainly a, a huge thing for Heather and I moving here and transitioning here, was it wasn't just that... Um, we found out about the opportunity at Nelson for about a year and a half or two years. God had, when we pondered it and prayed about it and talked about it, it was very clear. We saw it in hindsight. Oh, that's why this happened. That's why this didn't work out. That's why this opportunity came. That's why God was um, loosening the soil of these relationships so that transitioning out would be easier. Oh, it makes sense now. I think you have a lot more gratitude. Like you were saying, Miriam, when you look back and you see these milestones, a fruit for me of not pondering is I just tend not to engage in spontaneous worship as much through the week. Um, when I ponder, when I reflect on what God has done in my life, you know, we had a prayer wall up here for Incarna and it was talking about things that you're thankful for and just even writing those, it w- became so much easier for me to just take time and say, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you for trusting me with four kids. Thank you for trusting me to move me into congregational leadership. Thank you for all these blessings that I don't deserve, but are by your grace. And it's much easier to worship out of that space when you actually take time to reflect on what God has done. Another important reason why it's important to ponder is that you can't learn from your experiences unless you reflect on them. There's a really interesting sociological or uh, psychological study that I read this week where they had two groups. One group, both groups were told they were going to write a test. The first group got a pretest, and then they had the option to practice on two more tests before the final tests. And most of them did. They, they were trying to achieve the highest mark on this test. The second control group had um, the test that they were going to take, and they had a first test, no option to do similar tests, but they had an option to, or they were led through a series of questions that forced them to reflect on their experiences with the, with the first test. This group did way better than the first group. The group that was given the chance to just try it more, practice it, just do more. Doesn't it make sense? If I, if I, just, if I did the test four or five times, by the sixth time, I'll be better. It's not, the way the, it's not the way the research bears out. You only have to take the test once. Then, if you ask and are forced to ponder and think through, how did I approach that? Was I nervous? Different things. Then if I take it, you do better than the people who just got lots of practice but who weren't led to reflect. And I think there's a lot of times where God is orchestrating the events in our lives to teach us a lesson. And if we don't take time to ponder whether or not we know it, what we're saying to God is, I'm not actually interested in learning that lesson. I have other things to do. I have more important things to do. And so if you're going to want to teach me, God, you're going to have to just kind of do direct drop, like matrix, download, help me learn it, because I'm not going to take the time to ponder. And I think we lose a lot of richness, richness in our lives because I think there will be some things that God simply will not reveal to us, like Lyle was saying, unless we actually take time to intentionally, carefully connect with him. Okay, how do we ponder? 
Um, some people for pondering, for people, some people pondering is staring at the window and just kind of daydreaming. Hmm. Um, I want to give you a tool that I've come across that has been helpful for me. It can look a little bit different for everybody, but this comes from Michael Green, who's a spiritual director. And he says, in scripture, there's a distinction made between chronos and kairos. Both are words for time. In the New Testament, Greek words for time, chronos refers to time as we would think about it. Seconds, minutes, hours, chronology. Kairos refers to moments in time. It's, it's, a, it's a measure of time, but it's meant to signal times wh- that are special, where it seems like the normal flux and flow of our life gets interrupted by an event for Mary, like the birth of Jesus, or the, an angel visitation for the, for the shepherds. So I have a picture on here. It's in your sermon notes, but it's also here. And he says what he tries to get people to do at least twice a year, at least twice a year, and you can do this as often as you want, but sometimes you need a little bit of a long view so you have a kind of a longer, larger sample size of um, events and, and, and patterns that you're looking at. But at least twice a year, he invites people to go on some kind of a half-day uh, retreat. If that's too much, take an hour and to work through this cycle. First of all, take 30, 60 minutes. If you can set aside half a day, take a long time and just observe and write down as many major events in the last year as you can. Don't worry about evaluating them. Just what have been big, th- you know, I moved to Nelson, then this happened, then this happened. Just big, big things for you. And just take time to write it down. Then you reflect. Are there any patterns that I see? What, what maybe is God saying to me in and through this, co- these con- this unique constellation of events? Be praying about it and just begin journaling. Just, you, don't have to, you don't have to be right. You don't have to come to some ultimate revelation. It's just the process. And then, and this is really important, you take time to discuss it with one other trusted uh, Christian in your life. Again, not necessarily to arrive at an answer, because that might not happen for some people, but just to say, I I trust that God is orchestrating something through these events, so I just want to sit down and over coffee say, this is what I've been thinking through, this is what I noticed, what's your feedback, will you pray for me? You're involving one other person in this process. Then, out of that discussion... If there is a sense of, yeah, I wonder if this is the direction, you come up with a kind of plan. And that plan might be very elaborate, but it also might be very simple. You know, for me, in this cycle, my plan is I'm just going to schedule more times in 2016 to ponder. I'm going to have blocks in my calendar where I just say ponder, and I have a, uh, a structure of what I'm going to do with that time. That's my plan. It's not very elaborate. It's just one thing, but that's what I want to do coming out of this Christmas season. But then I go back to that person and say, this is my plan. I want someone to be praying for me, helping me, um, holding my feet to the fire so this doesn't become like a classic (laughs) New Year's resolution where three weeks into January, it's like, oh, what was that again? Oh, well, whatever. I'm back in the cycle of doing, 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 going, going, going. And then... After I have that accountability, I take action on it. I take the first step. I don't worry about what's this going to mean six months down the line. I don't worry about step 15. I worry about the first step. What's the first step? I scheduled 30 minutes this Friday at this time to pray and begin to journal through what God might be doing. So that's one way that you can take this idea of what does it mean to ponder and learning to pay attention 
to what God is doing in your life and run with it. I didn't want to leave you guys with like, hey, go ponder. And people are like, I don't really know what that means beyond <laughs> daydreaming. But that's a little structure that you can use. Tweak it, uh, play with it. God's going to honor any steps you take in this direction, I really believe. So it's not like there's this perfect formula and if you do all the steps properly, you know, you, you, you hit the button and then all the candy comes out of the machine. That's not the way God works. God's going to honor any attempt on your part to slow down and to ponder. But here is my assignment for you is that I would challenge you to ponder Christmas for the rest of Christmas. Ponder the incarnation. If there's, if, you know, there's events that are unique to each of us in this room, but there's one event in human history that the Christian church and Bible-believing, born-again Christians are called, I believe, to ponder intentionally, consistently, at least once a year, and that is the incarnation of Jesus. To an early Christian church in Philippi, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. And then, so he says, I want you to have the same mindset, the way, way of thinking, the way of understanding the world, seeing each other, seeing your mission in the world. I want you to be like Jesus in that. And then, in order to do that, he invites them to ponder on the implications of the incarnation. He says, This Jesus, who, being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He was in heaven. He had everything. He made himself nothing. nothing. He emptied himself of glory, took on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He condescended to human form. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name and that that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul says, every Christian has has to look at this pattern of the incarnation and the 12 days of Christmas is a good time to do that, to say, if the, if the all-powerful God of the universe emptied himself, took on, came as a king, but a king who humbled himself and a king who served and gave his life as a ransom for many, how now should I live? If that's my king, if I say, oh, Jesus is my Lord and king, okay, that has consequences. That means you're patterning your life off of his pattern. His pattern is emptying himself taking power and extending it so that other people find benefit. It wasn't about accruing power, accruing glory. The incarnation is about God emptying himself and taking on a greater burden so that other people could find freedom. What's that going to mean for me in my marriage? Am I living out that incarnational pattern in my marriage? What about in my workplace? What about with my body and in terms of my sexuality? Am I, am I using my power, my body in ways that bless other people and honor God? Or am I doing something else with it? What about my finances? What is it, what is it impl- how should I live if the king of the universe emptied himself of riches? Paul says, he became poor that we might become rich. Am I becoming poor? Is my plan in 2016 to have less expendable money for Jeff Strong so that more people in this community, um, in this church and in this community, so that they can have more? That's an incarnational pattern. I can't answer the question of how does God want you as an individual or 
couple or family to live out this pattern, but that's why it's so important to ponder it. To say, God, is there one way that you're calling me to live differently coming out of Christmas? I think that's so, so important. So important. So my goal for 2016 is to ponder more, certainly to ponder more than I did this year. And I know it's easy to dismiss this practice as kind of fluffy and maybe impractical, but I hope this morning shows us that it's anything but. It's actually a a tremendously important spiritual discipline that when we do it, huge good fruit comes out of our lives. And when we don't do it, there are so many things that will shrivel and die. Pondering is the art of learning to pay attention to God and his movements in our lives, and there is no object of focus more worthy than that. Let's pray. God, as we continue to worship, may you just change our thinking a little bit so that we kind of remember and recognize that we've just started the Christmas season. And so maybe all of us need to go back into the story of Luke and just read again and again and then ponder the incarnation and its significance for our lives. God, I don't want to just have the calendars turn over in 2016 and to enter into the same modes of operation that I've been operating here. Even if they're good things, God, I think that they're things that I'm doing that might be be standing in the way of of, of greater things that you want to do in my life. And I don't want to move into 2016 unconsciously, reactively. I want to have intimacy with you. I want to grow in you. I want to be challenged by you. I know there's lots of people here who want that the same God. So would you help us to maybe use this process by Michael Green to just take time and to ponder and honor that God as we still ourselves before you in ways big and small, grab our attention and and do something that is um, powerful and regenerative and restorative in our lives. Use us in 2016. We ask this in your precious name. Amen.
Sitting in the front row is a little bit of a risk because you kind of feel, are people watching me worship Jesus? It's weird. You feel very exposed in the front row. The huge blessing is that you hear, you, I get to hear you guys and the harmonization and the beautiful voices. So thank you for that. It's a huge blessing to be up here and to have that wash over me. Let me send you out with a benediction. As you go, family and friends of Nelson Covenant Church, may you take time this Christmas season to ponder. And may your times of reflection lead to deep and substantial insight into the work that God wants to do in your life and heart. And may you be filled with a peace that passes understanding as you discover or rediscover that God is orchestrating the events of your life for your good and for his glory. And may the love of the Father, the grace of the Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this Christmas season. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless. Have a great Christmas.